The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Welcome to Foundational Missions Leadership Moment. Join your host, Scott McClelland of FX Missions, as he deep dives into the lives of leaders to glean secrets that will propel today's leaders to new heights. Here's Scott. And and my first thought was actually Moses, because that's who, after the Lord spoke to me, and I sat with the Lord in that place, I had such an intense desire to, to see the Lord face to face like Moses. I was just ignited on the inside and I thought, I want to know this God. So I did, it was about a year long study of Moses. I sat with Moses in scripture. I, I read up on some of historians and scholars and, and tried yeah. to, and sat with the Lord and asked for the Holy Spirit to just give me more about when you learn. It was a beautiful year, but actually, when I was praying about it some more, most recently, I thought, you know what, I should share on most recently who I have been sitting with. And that's been Mary Magdalene. And mm. and this happened during Passion Week of this year. So just before Passion Week, I had started a blog back in January and it was just a place I love to read. I love, I'm an avid reader and, and I've always loved to write. And I felt the Lord saying, pick up your pen. Why did you ever drop it? Pick it up again, start writing. So I just started a blog and sent it to a few friends. And, you know, there's very few people who read it. And that wasn't the the readership wasn't the point. It was more to give me an outlet to have a space that I could share what I felt I was gleaning in scripture in my time with the Lord. And so I had started, I wanted to understand Passion Week. I was captivated with the events leading up to the resurrection. And so I did a personal study right before Passion Week and through into Passion Week on the events leading up to the resurrection. And I was astounded with all of a sudden Mary Magdalene, as I was reading through all the different accounts in the gospel, Mary Magdalene was at almost every point where Jesus was in those significant moments. She was there. She was she was there at the cross as he died. She was there. She was the first one to see the resurrected body of Jesus. She was the one that Jesus commissioned go and tell the others. In fact, a lot of Bible scholars will call her the apostle to the apostles, which I love. And, and as she's running to the apostles to say, she says these words that I love, I have seen the Lord. And I grabbed onto that and I thought she saw the Lord, you know, this woman that, that had seven demons cast out of her, as it talks about as well in scripture, who I can't even imagine what that would be like to carry seven demons, but how her body and her mind and her soul would have been wrecked 
under the weight of that darkness and to mm. be set free of that. And I thought, this woman was desperate for the Lord. Like she knew desperation, maybe even at greater levels than some of the apostles. She had probably been in some of the darkest places that many of us may never know. Mm. And so it also talks about, you know, when, when she's talking to Jesus, not knowing this is the resurrected body of Jesus, she's speaking to him, thinking he's the gardener. And he calls her name Mary. And she looks and she sees him for the first time. And she clings to him, it says in scripture. And he says, woman, <laughs> stop clinging to me again. And I, I grabbed onto that again. And I thought she, in every way, this was a woman who clinged. She followed him. And it, it also talks about in John, it talks about, there's a short little paragraph that talks about the woman that ministered with the women that ministered with the apostles. And Mary Magdalene was one of those few women that followed from city to city. Anyway, it was, so it was in the reading of Passion Week that for the first time, I thought there is a beauty in that desperation, in that way that she clung to him. She so desperately needed him. And it started to shift some of my thinking with leadership in that how often I get caught in this idea of sophistication. I remember asking the Lord, when did I get so sophisticated in my leadership that desperation looked weak? Because I think a part of me had believed that. I think a part of me had believed it's good to look vulnerable, be transparent. You know, those are all healthy leadership qualities. But desperation? No. That's a leader isn't desperate. That just mm. looks weak. And yeah. and I don't think anybody would say that they really believe that, but I think many of us do believe that. I know I had a core belief that as I was reading Mary and I'm trying to watch through her eyes, I was so aware again of that same. It brought me back to that moment that I shared earlier, sitting in that dark room in my house when I knew the Lord had drawn near to me and I felt so desirable to the Lord. It felt like that same desirability, how he mm. desired her in her desperation. It was beautiful to Jesus. And so I've been sitting with Mary Magdalene for a while and coming back to that and coming back to that unsophisticated, that, that desperate, that, that place of, I'm sure she thought, who am I? I'm just the woman that had seven demons. What do I have to offer? And yet with what she had to offer, she gave everything to the Lord. And there's conflicting, theologians are kind of conflicting about, is she the same Mary that mm -hmm. wiped Jesus's feet, the sinful woman that came in and poured the alabaster mm -hmm. jar? Some say she is, some say she isn't. For me personally, I don't know if she is, but I could see her doing that. Mm -hmm. I could see that she would be the woman that could care less that she was breaking in into a room full of men that she was not welcomed with and could care less that she looked grossly desperate as she was crying and pouring out this alabaster jar and worshiping and wiping with her hair. Like I picture that and I'm like, that's, that would be her heart 
that she didn't care how desperate she looked. She just knew she needed Jesus. So I come back to that a lot as the Lord continues to humble me (laughs) in many hard and good ways. I come back to that and I think, Lord, I certainly don't want to have a sophisticated leadership. I don't want to have it all together. I don't want to always have to know and be capable, but I do want to never lose that desperation. And so I hold that often as something I continue to sit in as I look to her and watch and learn from, I think, her heart and her her heart of worship. Mm. Powerful, powerful, Lauren. You know, I'm inspired. And I, I think we we can learn a lot from Mary. She's a holy woman, obviously, <laughs> who came from an unholy place, right? Yeah. That's so many of our stories, you know, that's, I think, even the most um, folks with the, the rockiest past or the most sketchy background or whatever, and those who aren't uh, from that background can relate to her in a way that gives us hope and also gives us perspective to a very special relationship with the Lord that she had. That to me is, you know, life is about relationships, right? And the quality of life is in a lot of ways (laughs) governed by the quality of the relationships that we have, obviously, firstly with the Lord and from there with others. You know, she had a deep history in darkness, but, you know, she cultivated something very deep with the Lord in her transformation. I've noted what you're saying there specifically about the, she was in step in step and, you know, and she was the one, like you say, the sent one to the sent ones, right? Mm-hmm. Which is what apostle means. She was the one sent to the sent ones to talk about the Lord is. I'm an eyewitness to the Lord having been raised. So that to me, what an honor that the Lord gave her that. And I think it was based on their nearness in pre-resurrection, you know, the, the time and the quality of relationship that they had before and during his passion week, if you will. It says everything to me about the, the importance of nearness to the Lord and, and drawing near to him. And, you know, I think we, that can seem mysterious to folks, but if we look at Mary, we, I think some of that mystery gets removed, you know, she instructs us in the way to approach that powerful, powerful. Is there something more that you want to say about Mary, about her, what else she's informed you of or, you know, maybe even these other ladies who were traveling. I know there was half a dozen mm-hmm. of them. Is there something more about her or them you want to say during this this piece? Um, I will say this, that coming into leadership as a woman was also, you know, I had to find my way as a woman in leadership. And I want to be fair. I've I have been well supported. I have board of directors. I have had mentors and a community of people around me that have just cheered me on and and rarely have I bumped into the it's been a rare occasion of where me being a woman in ministry has been an issue but I you know coming in so young I hadn't ever encountered it so 
the few times that I did, it kind of helped me put into perspective for me, oh, I do understand why there's questions. I do understand, you know, why people would would still have questions around that. And I'm okay with those questions. They don't offend me. I don't mm-hmm. feel offended when I bump into the odd person that kind of bristles with the fact that I preach in churches or that I provide oversight to missionaries who also happen to be men. And <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. It doesn't offend me. I, I get it. I get why sometimes, you know, that can be an issue. I don't take mm-hmm. it personally. But when I, but one of the issues I have taken with female leadership is when female leadership has sought to be like male leadership, where females have taken on almost a seemingly masculine type of leadership that intentionally, unintentionally, this way, I think female leaders have a unique way of leading that is different from how male leaders lead. And I think it's beautiful. And so watching Mary, again, watching Mary's response and her unashamed worship of the Lord in her own way, that was very radically different from, you know, the apostles, though there's times in scripture, it talks about, you know, where the apostles fall at Jesus's feet. They would have never probably thought to pour out themselves with that show in the way that she did. You know, there, there was a very different approach that she as a woman had. So yeah. for me, reading her, I'm reminded again that for us, for us women as leaders, that there's a beauty in that there is a different approach. And that's a wonderful thing. And it's a beautiful thing. And I don't, I don't need to make my leadership look like a male leadership, a masculine leadership. I don't, I can follow the Lord and who he has created me in my own identity. And I can follow that and I can allow his confidence to, to be the place of authority, you know, that I step into with that. Um, if that makes sense. I don't know if that makes oh, sense. It, it really makes sense. And it's something I've observed too, you know, I've got three daughters, no sons. I guess I was diminishingly surprised. I was so sure my first child was going to be a son, you know, and then I was marginally sure my second child would be a son. By the time I got to the third one, I think I had. (laughs) I had said, Lord, at your preference, you know, you know, so, but it, because of the fact that I've got three daughters, it, it really is it's been important for me to understand the contribution of women and, and try to help my daughters, you know, fulfill their calling at whatever, in whatever station the Lord puts them and at whatever level. So I, I'm about to offend some men. Thank you. And you're welcome. You know, a lot of men have a convenient perspective when it comes to women in leadership. Okay. And what do I mean by that? Well, it's convenient that you're not a woman. And that's why you think those right. things, <laughs> right. or you, right. you know, you try to assemble everything around a few verses that you think mean a certain thing, and then you try to take your stand. But really, what you're trying to do is you're trying to express your masculinity in terms of superiority, right. and that, my friend, is a mistake. Yeah, you're not superior and inferior, you know. And I think that's really borne out well in your commentary about not trying to be a man in mm-hmm. leadership. So I, I got to go on here a little bit on this. And, and, and I'll, I'll tell you a little story here. I, 
one of my first times in Latin America, I was in one of the largest cities in the world. We were doing a conference in a close by ministry venue and we were taking breakfast in the hotel there. And I was, you know, the news, the morning show was playing, right? So, you know, the guys talking, the ladies talking, you know how the morning shows, the yeah. rhythm is. Yeah. And then they scanned over, t- it's time to talk about the weather. Now, of course, I, at the time, I spoke nearly no Spanish, but I was getting the flow of what was going on. Well, they panned over to the weather girl, and she was in a bikini <laughs> with rhinestones. And I'm talking about at 7.30 or 8 in the morning, okay? And I went. Okay, I'm in another part of the world here. I'm about to get an, you know, I'm I'm about to get an education. But I really, I guess I was surprised by that, as you might imagine. But I felt I tried to notice it in a way that would be instructive to me. And as I thought about that, I thought about women who were not given their proper opportunity to have influence. And this was, uh, what would you call it? You know, it was an alternative form of influence that was playing out in a cultural exp- expression. And I've traveled extensively in Latin America and spent a whole bunch of time in that context. And specific to that context, one thing I've noticed is that women, where women are marginalized in terms of having their due influence, they're often culturally is a response to go around that and have an influence in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's true also of men, not just true of women, but when it comes to genders, that's much more pronounced when it comes to men versus women and that men are often the ones in charge and they tend to have that convenient perspective that marginalizes women. I think we do ourselves and Christ's body an incredible disservice when we marginalize women because of their gender. Yeah. And sorry about the long story, but. <laughs> no, that's great. Know, it's a great it, example, uh, actually, of, of how she's being, in a sense, put in her place. You know, as she's wearing that bikini, that's her job. That's her role. That's what. So it's a, it's a, a very bold statement to to reflect kind of the the misunderstanding of a woman's place or a woman's role and how that has been very damaged for sure over the years. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we look at authority in the most um, meager of ways when we resort to thinking that authority comes from having a position or having some title. And this has been a a real thing for me since I was a young person. You know, I wanted to have authority in heaven. Mm. Yeah, amen. (laughs) You know, know, not just on the earth. You know, Jesus said to Peter, I give you the keys. You know, he was really talking to the 12, I think. But he said, you know, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever Mm -hmm. you bind on earth is going to be bound in heaven, loosed on earth, be loosed in heaven. I always saw that as an invitation for us to have authority in heaven. And and as a consequence of the authority we have in heaven, we would have authority on earth. Yeah. 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 So, you know, who there is no restriction to a woman to the amount of authority that she can have with Jesus. And Mary Magdalene is the prime example of that. Mm. 
So, wow. Thank you very much. Very, very much for sharing that. Mm-hmm. I'm inspired over here. We're doing another podcast. Uh, you know, we're going to keep going here if you still got time. Yep, I'm good. I really appreciate you and your highlight of, of Mary. But I, I'd ask you for a couple of examples, and I'm guessing you've got at least one more. <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who else comes to mind as in terms of profiling? And if you want to mention anything in conclusion about, I don't know if you've got any of the references you want to mention about Mary or where someone could go to find more out about Mary in terms of the part of her story you want to highlight. Most of her story I got just out of the Gospels, Luke and, and John and parts of Matthew are intertwined in there. But I think I probably just looked in, I don't even remember, it would have been a, just a few different commentaries. Mm. And I did, I probably just Google the commentaries. So I don't mm. have the exact ones just to get an oh, idea yeah. of some references, reference points. I'm not a historian. So to kind of be able to <laughs> where I found, you know, that she is, is affectionately called the apostle to the apostles. Yeah, that I love that. I do too. I do. I too. love that. Wow. And you know, even when you see it in writing, it's you know the the apostles that walked with Jesus are the capital A apostles, and mm-hmm. in this in writing, Mary Magdalene, it's she's the little A apostle to the big A apostles, mm-hmm. even though she didn't, even though she did walk with Jesus, even though she was a part of the team that ministered with Jesus, I think mm-hmm. it's even significant that they used a little A in every good sense. She was just the little blurb here and there, but so significant mm-hmm. that named at every significant point, you know, in, in the Passion Week and that she's the first one to see the resurrected body of Jesus. Like, I just find that, again, that continues to remind me of the humility and the humbleness of of that place with Jesus, that it's not this big grand, it's that daily walking, being clinging to him, being with him, seeing him. So I even love that that it's just that little A. She's just like me. I'm that little A apostle in a sense. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> yes, it is indeed. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for joining Scott with today's Leadership Moment. We hope you've apprehended an inspirational nugget or two that, when activated in your own life, will be imparted into those you lead. You may contact Scott at scott at fxmissions.com. Visit fxmissions.com to learn more about how you can grow your own leadership and engage in missions. Until next time, good day, everyone.